Before listening to this podcast, I just want to let you know that this is a series that I'm going to be doing a three-part series on kinship care. So you may not be able to relate to this if you've never been through kinship care. However, it is a really good episode for you to share with friends who may be going through something similar or to just learn for something that may happen to you unexpectedly in the future. I am not a professional. I'm not a caseworker. I am just a mom trying to get through this crazy kinship cuckoo-ness that is our life. And I've been through some crazy stuff that I hope that you can relate to. And if you can't, then that's fine. And this may not be the episode for you. However, I will be adding some extra episodes this week because this is just part of a series. So this is Kinship Care Part 1 of 3. I hope that you enjoy this episode and I really appreciate you listening Don't forget to share us on all the social media platforms and you can find us on any podcast network. Have a wonderful day. Hello, you're listening to Good Mom, Bad Words. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram at goodmombadwords or email us any funny stories or fun things that you have going on or just crazy parenting life or any questions you have to gmom.com bwords at gmail.com. Hello, this is Therese, and you're listening to Good Mom, Bad Words. (sighs) Well, I was supposed to post this on Saturday, but obviously, Kobe's, well, you don't know, (coughs) but Kobe's birthday was on Saturday, and we went out of town, which was, uh, you can hear him in the background, yeah, and we went to see the fish and stuff at an aquarium in Kentucky. It was just so much fun. We had a really good time. Um, and then Saturday night, there was the time change. And my kids did not sleep well. They ended up getting up at 6.45 in the morning, which felt like 5.45 in the morning. And I just feel like we haven't quite got back on track. For sleeping, we're either getting up. Oh, excuse my yard. See, ah. we're either getting up too early, or we're getting up too late, or going to bed later, or we're going to bed too early. It's just like we're trying to figure out how to get back on track. It is currently Tuesday, and we are exhausted, but we had a really good time on Saturday. We went to the aquarium, and we came home, and we did a Facebook live for his birthday for his cake and opening up presents so that was really fun and a cool way to celebrate his birthday during these covid times um it's a little different than aria's birthday aria's birthday we had more we had a couple of our family members over um safe you know created a safe environment and then had a Facebook live for her and did just her presence. But with Kobe turning one, we wanted everyone to be able to see him smash his cake. And oh, did he? He did. He loved his cake. We got him a cupcake and he absolutely demolished it. Ate much more of it than I was anticipating. And he really, really liked it. He was actually really upset when we had to take it away. But I was really happy that he had a really good birthday, and then we also went swimming on Saturday, so we had a really full, fun day, um, and then everybody slept pretty good that night, so it was really good, um, but they did, they did wake up really early. 
Um, so that was that, and then we came home, and I was like, okay, Saturday, or Sunday, we're just gonna relax, and Monday, I'll record the podcast, so I did, I actually recorded this intro yesterday, on Monday, however, we, uh, got interrupted by Kobe crying, and so I went to go check on him, and he ended up having a really bad fever, so he was pretty sick yesterday, and then he was pretty sick last night, and then he woke up this morning and he was much better. His temperature is normal and he's acting pretty normal. So I think we caught some sort of bug while we were out, which makes a lot of sense. Oh, sorry for these yawns. Um, it makes a lot of sense because you know he was born on March thirteenth, which is the day basically the entire world shut down for COVID. So he definitely hasn't been outside very, well, he hasn't been, we go outside, but he hasn't been out of, like, in public very often. So it doesn't really surprise me that he did get a cold. We did go to school for almost the first year of his life, or at least the first 11 months. He was in um, child care centers. Uh, However, now I'm not working, um, and so we're home, and we haven't really been going out in public, and Arya goes to the store every so often, but Kobe is usually here with me. He's mama's boy. And, yeah. And then this morning, of course, we woke up. Everybody was good. Last night, Arya ended up having um, bad diarrhea and ended up having to get up and get her whole clothes changed, get a little sponge bath, and then get her sheets changed. So it was kind of a long night. But this morning, she ended up having a fever, and now Kobe doesn't, so I'm hoping that we don't pass it back and forth, but I am currently having her take a nap, which she laid down a little bit earlier, and Kobe took an early nap as well, um, because I wanted him to feel better, so everybody napped today, and Arya is napping now, so I figured I would do my podcast today. So, I wanted to talk about some fun stuff, um... And some interesting stuff. And then some more serious stuff. So we're going to start talking about the more serious stuff. And we'll kind of end on some fun stuff. So we're going to start talking about the kinship fostering program, basically. Um, It's not really a program, I guess. But the kinship fostering... Oh, no! Sorry, Kobe had a loud toy, and I just wanted to let him play with that for a second, so I needed to give it a minute. Um, anyway, so today we're going to talk about the being a kinship caregiver um, and how that differs from foster care and how you can also be a foster care and kinship care parent guardian at the same time. So we were not foster parents. We got our children, um, Aria, we did get from the foster care system. However, she, we were not foster parents when we got her. So she was with foster parents and then we are kinship caregivers and we ended up not getting foster, um, foster licensed. And so we ended up just going through and getting legal custody, which allows us to act as biological parents and make all of the important decisions and we um, can still allow them to see biological family and they get to grow up 
with family. So my children are technically my second cousins, um, or maybe my third cousins. They're technically my cousins. Um, and we did not know that they existed. Um, unfortunately, their biological parents were going through some tough stuff and were unable to care for them. And luckily, our family reached out to us and allowed us to know that they were, um, that Aria needed us and needed someone to stay with that was biologically family. And we did, um, go through all of the hoops, which is the first thing they'd make you do is get a background check and then they come in and they do a home study and they come in and look at your house and they check your fire alarms and see what kind of food you have and they see if you have running water and if your toilet's flush and just all kinds of crazy stuff and then they check to interview you and um, see how you parent the children that are already in your home. So they also had an interview with our 12-year-old who was 10 at the time and we they had an interview with him to see kind of how we discipline and if he was happy and well taken care of and obviously that all went very well thankfully but we were not prepared for it and I think that it can be really hard for people going into fostering and or kinship care to really know what they're doing um I feel like with foster care you have to take a lot of classes and you have to go th- get licensed and people come into your home. And I'm not sure. I'm not a foster parent, so I'm not really sure. But I do think that they get a, they have their own caseworker who helps them kind of navigate the process of being a foster parent. Whereas when you're a kinship caregiver, typically it happens out of the blue without any warning and you don't have to take a bunch of classes um, because you are biologically related. They typically will find want to place children with family um, and keep siblings groups together and things like that. So they will attempt to contact family members first. In our situation, it was a little bit different. Family wasn't contact or was contacted but did not respond when it came to Aria, and it took over a year. Uh, for her to be placed with us, with biological family. And it was really sad how that works. However, that is not an atypical thing to happen. It does happen to people actually quite often. Um, Many times kinship caregivers are aunts, uncles. Um, It can be a step-parent. It can also be a grandparent. It's many times a grandparent. And I'm sure that many of you do know kinship caregivers. So children do not have to go into the foster care system to go to can become kinship, to go into kinship care. They can actually go straight from the hospital or from whatever situation they are in to a kinship home. Kinship just means someone who's very close to the family and or is biologically related. So... That being said, um, a friend or a family member um, takes in the child and raises them or keeps them until their biological parents are able to um, get better or um, take some classes, parenting classes and things like that. In some cases, like in our case, the parents are unable to care for the child for an extended period of time and they end up becoming legally 
um, the custodial parent or guardian. So technically, we are not biological parents, obviously. I am biologically related to my children, um, but they're my cousin, and we are, they, but I raise them as my children. So they are my son and my daughter, and because I've got them so young, it isn't super confusing for them at the moment, but I do plan on talking to them about that as they get older, and I will have a whole episode on what our current plans are for when our children realize that they were not born from my belly. Um, so we'll talk about that in a different episode. But yeah, so a kinship can be a friend or family member. Kinship family members are typically what is um, used. However, there can also be friends of family who are very close and can actually take custody of a child. Um, and that happens often, actually. And there are a lot of programs that are available to kinship caregivers. However, you have to be a certain relation. Um, You also will have to um, provide proof that you are related and things of that nature. And because we were not first cousins, we actually didn't um, get some of the programs that were offered to kinship caregivers because we were not closely closely related enough. I don't know if I said that correctly. However, we did get some programs and I'm really, really glad we did. And I had to ask a lot of questions and advocate for myself because we didn't take classes on what to expect when you bring home a child, what's the next steps. And in some cases, um, caseworkers are very busy and they will forget to tell you that there are certain things that you need to do or that there are visits that come up. So the first week of having a child in your home, whether you are a foster parent or a kinship guardian, you have about 100 million things you have to do. The first thing that happens is that within the first five to seven days, you'll have your first case visit. And the caseworker will come in and they will meet you. Sometimes they will have met the child and they will... um, talk to you about what to expect and what the next steps are and they just want to do kind of an overview of your home they'll do the same thing that the um, home study person does they will go through your home and check your water pressure and your smoke alarms and all that fun stuff and then they will also kind of sit down with you and help you understand what's next and if I were you I would do some research if you do end up in a situation like this, because there are often things that you might not know you should ask. And I ended up going online and looking up a bunch of different things through the government websites um, and through some vlogs and things like that that I follow on YouTube and just kind of see to just kind of see what the next steps were and what I needed to do. And I the caseworker will talk to you and kind of see if it's a safe place for the children to be, if you're all on the same page, and kind of let you know what's going on. The next person to come into your home will be the CASA worker. The CASA worker is the corner-appointed special advocate, and they come in to basically be the voice for the child. They have nothing to do with you, really. Um, They're all about the children. They want to make sure that your kids, that the kids are safe and happy 
And because children, um, especially the ages of the children that we have, um, are unable to express their feelings in words and say, hey, I want to be here, or I want to be there, or I am sad, I'm scared, things like that. The casa worker is there to be their voice, and when you're in court, they will be there to say, this child is very happy here, I think that they're doing really well, and that they're developing appropriately, and that this is a really good place for them. Or, in some really good cases, they will say, um mom and dad are biological mom and dad are doing really well and I think that it's in the best interest of the child to go home with their biological parents and that happens sometimes and sometimes it doesn't and at the end of the day it's extremely important for children to be with family so whether or not you are a foster parent or a kinship parent it is extremely hard but also a reality and something that you should um, support because you want your children to be happy and healthy if the parents are able to get better and able to get um, custody of their children back. Um, We, however, did not go through that. Our children did not have um, the opportunity to go back with their biological parents. They did end up staying here with us, which we are very happy about. I love my children to to the moon and back and I know that they were meant to be with us and um that they're my miracle babies and I'm really really happy to be that with them um I'm sorry if I'm saying um a lot I feel like this is like a kind of a serious thing to talk about and I don't want to mess up my words so I'm kind of (laughs) thinking a little bit more than I typically do okay so I got a court oh so the casa worker will come in and they'll do their assessment um our casa worker also interviewed our child our um older child and wanted to see like how happy he was how he was doing in school and things like that we also had to take the children to the doctor within the first five days of being home and we ended up taking Aria to the doctor right away in, like, the first couple of days. And then Kobe actually ended up in the doctor, like, two days after he came home because he was so sick. We wanted to make sure that he was really um, on the right track and that we could do everything we needed to do for him. But the first week is bonkers. Not only are you getting used to having a child that has not been in your home before, But you're also trying to get used to the names of all these people that you have to be in contact with. Adding a hundred numbers to your phone. Then also not getting any sleep because you know your children are not sleeping. (laughs) And you're also worried. And it's very stressful and it's probably one of the hardest things that we ever went through. But it's also very worth it because the children, once they realize that you are there for them and that you love them and you're going to care for them they really do respond very well and oftentimes um it gets much easier however of course that's not every situation sometimes situations are different and everyone is different i think that i what i did not know with aria was that there was a thing called a um uh family advocate and the family advocate actually um the community advocate 
I'm so sorry. The community advocate. So there's a thing called a community advocate, and the community advocate actually helps families, um, not specifically kinship families, but we did have a kinship community advocate, and basically they help you get things like birth certificates and social security cards. They can help you with getting um, Medicaid, uh, WIC. They help you with getting all the services that your children may need um, while they're in your care, whether it is temporarily or um, long-term or forever. And they're there to help you find the resources that are available to you. And that is such a good thing. We did not know that there were programs that we actually qualified for because when we did talk to our caseworkers, they had told us that they weren't sure if we'd qualify for them and things like that. So I ended up requesting a community advocate and that man was literally my saving grace. He was the most amazing person I've, one of the most amazing people I've ever met. And he would call me to just make sure that everything was okay, um, that the paperwork was going through. I had a really hard time getting some of Kobe's paperwork, and he was right there with me. He wrote down what he thought I should say. He would send me all the paperwork almost pre-filled out so that I didn't have to worry about things. He found all the programs that we were um, qualified for, and he helped us get a little bit of extra money to help with some of the things we weren't prepared for for Kobe because again um, we found out about Kobe on March 19th and he came home April 24th and we had absolutely or not April 24th I went to him on April 24th he came home on March 5th and I had no idea or May 5th and I had no idea what we were going to need we didn't have an infant at home Arya had only been with us for a few months and he was able to get us vouchers. And vouchers are really great because they help you to buy things that you don't necessarily have the money to get right away. Like a car seat or a crib, um, baby clothes, formula, food, things that you have to have but you weren't prepared for. So you don't necessarily have the funds to do so. In our case, we were okay financially. And we were able to get a lot of the items, but there were, and we had a lot of friends and family who donated things to us when we asked for our call of help, but we did not have um, a car seat and we did not have formula or food and things like that. So we were able to go out and get some more clothes and diapers and wipes, which you go through a zillion of. And we were able to get all that stuff because of our court appointment or our um, community advocate. So that was really awesome. Um, if you're going through this process, first of all, you need to know that you are not alone. There are a lot of people out there who go through this. And while I've been going through this, I've realized that because I shared our journey to an extent, even during the journey, um, legally, you can't share a lot. Like, you can't share the children's faces until you have legal custody, um, unless you are a direct relative with permission from the parent. And in our case, we did not have that because we did not have communication with their biological parents. But we did wait until we had legal custody to share their faces and some of their backstory. But I was able to share some of our journey 
um, kind of of being new parents in this kinship era of our lives. Um, and I've realized there were a lot more people out there who I actually knew who had gone through it, um, or would go through it in the future. So I currently have a friend who is going through a kinship, um, thing right now. And she has been able to reach out to me and talk to me about what she's going through, the court processes that she's gone through, caseworker visits. I was able to give her tips and tricks on how not to be totally stressed out because all you're thinking is that your house has to be perfect. Excuse me. Is that your house has to be perfect and that everything needs to be spick and span clean and that you need to just make sure everything is just like literally 100% okay but at the end of the day it doesn't have to be like that the caseworkers come in and they're looking for a lived-in home with love and I had a really hard time not freaking out before caseworkers and casa workers and things like that came because I was like oh my gosh like there's toys all over the floor or we have food on the counters right now because breakfast and Sometimes, um, during COVID, we had some notification of what was going on, but a lot of times they'll give you like eight hours, 24 hours, um, no time at all. They'll just pop in for your visits because they want to come in and catch you off guard so they can see what your life is really like. And it's not to be intentionally looking for something bad, but it is to ensure the safety of the children and make sure that your house is lived in and that you are allowing your kids to play with toys and that you are feeding them and that they are happy, um, which they aren't always happy, but that they are mostly happy and healthy and everything is going well. So the first time that our caseworker came for Aria, I was the only one home. Um, my husband had to work and it was really chill, um, very relaxed and Aria was in a really good mood, so we didn't have any issues. The next time that our caseworker came, our daughter was teething. She was not happy, and she was throwing a huge tantrum, and I was so concerned, but he wasn't really looking at her tantrum as a negative thing. They're looking at how you handle that. So how do you handle a tantrum? How do you handle this situation, like, kids are going to throw tantrums, kids are going to be dirty, kids are going to cry, but it's how you handle it. So I had a hard time realizing, like, that Arya didn't have to be perfect during those meetings, and I didn't have to be perfect during those meetings, it just needed to be how we would normally do things, and um, to ensure that we're doing it correctly. So that was hard for me, but... Her casa worker at the end of our entire journey with Kobe and with her, the casa worker actually told me, I know that you always want to make sure your house is clean because when Kobe came home, I'll tell you, our house was full of stuff. It is still currently full of things. I have too many things for my home. It is not nearly big enough for all of the things that we had to have for having an infant. Now that he's getting older and he's more mobile, I can get rid of, like, some of the stuff that he doesn't need. But we had no room in our home. And I was stacking things and reorganizing, like, every week. And the casa worker knew that. She was there often. And she talked to me on the phone often. And she knew. 
And she was like, I just want you to know that when I come in here, I'm not looking at that laundry basket over there as a negative thing. I'm looking at it and I'm saying, hey, there's clothes. They have clothes and they're cleaning them. I'm looking at your kitchen that may have dishes in it and saying, oh, the children ate breakfast this morning. I'm looking at the toys on the floor and I'm saying, oh, wow, they have wonderful toys and they're playing and things are developmentally appropriate. And that was probably something I wish she would have said <laughs> in the beginning, but it was one of the most eye-opening things she could have said to me, and it made me feel so much better, and it also made me and my husband realize that if something were to happen again, and we were to be put in a situation like this again where we were to bring in another child, we could do it. So we are actually open to taking in at least one more child in our current home, and we're we are open to taking in more children in the future. Um, not necessarily from the same family. Obviously, we want everyone to succeed and do well. But we are open to taking children in if we need to or if someone felt as though they needed someone else to care for their child. Um, so we have talked about that. And because of those words, I'm so much less scared to do it. And I wish I would have known that in the beginning, which is why I wanted to share that information with you guys because it can really change the way that you look at being a kinship parent or guardian at the end of the day you're a parent you do all the parent things you do all the parent jobs and you don't necessarily have to be a biological parent to be a parent just because the paperwork says legal guardian does not mean that you're not their parent that you're not their mom that you're not their dad uh, and here's where we get to the fun stuff. So that was all pretty serious. And we're going to get to a little bit of fun stuff. And then we're going to go on and talk about the stigma that atta is attached to kinship care. So some of the fun stuff. The fun stuff is that, hi, is that kids want to be loved. They want structure. They want to be loved. They want to feel safe. So if you are able to make your children feel loved and safe, and all the fun stuff that you do with them and things like that. Your children will grow and they will be so happy and they will be healthy and they will never question why you're the one taking care of them. They will just trust you and be so happy. And it is so 100% worth it that I don't want you to think, oh my gosh, I'm doing this all wrong. I want you to know that this is the most amazing thing that you could ever do. And you 100% are strong for even considering doing this. And it can be so much fun. Like, my two-year-old is either the most fun person I've ever met in my life. Or she is, like, one of the worst people of the day. But every so often, and most of the time, she is just so fun. And she's so excited to be hanging out with mom and dad. And we are mom and dad. She loves us. She has no idea that there is someone else out there who is unable to care for her at the moment. And because we're building that bond and making sure that she feels safe and happy. Why are you growling at me? <laughs> You're so goofy. Because of that, we have a really strong bond and everything is just so good and so worth it. And... I feel like I'm rambling a little bit, so I'm going to take a break to kind of recoup, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the stigma of what and how hard it can be and how lonely it can be to 
be a kinship parent. Um, and then that's just going to be an introduction onto our next episode, which is being lonely in being a kinship or foster parent, and especially when you are going to receive custody. So I'm going to come back in a second. We're going to give a little bit of a preview of our next episode, and then we'll end it up. So I first want to apologize and say um, if this is, like, a super serious one and you didn't make it to the end, uh, I'm sorry. (laughs) You didn't hear this part. But if you did make it to the end, thank you so much for listening, and please pass this on to someone who may or may not need to hear it. Oh, are you singing? Um, so, there is a lot of stigma when it comes to being a kinship caregiver specifically. A lot of times, um, people think that you're trying to take a child away from their parent, um, their biological parent, and that can be really hard to handle on your own, especially if you do not have anyone else who has gone through a similar situation. In our case, we do not know anyone who has gone through a kinship custody arrangement and it can be extremely lonely when you don't have anyone to talk to about it. It can be really hard to explain who you are and how you're doing things and why you're doing things the way that they are because most of the time when you are going through something like this, there especially with family, you will lose relationships with specific family members and or friends um, who think that you're doing something negative when in reality there's absolutely nothing negative you can do to ensure that a child is cared for and safe and happy. In some cases, such as ours, it can be quite severe and it can be that the parents are not involved. And though I wish the best for our relatives and that I hope that they are safe and that they get better and that they can have a relationship with our children one day that it it's not always possible and we our case was very unique and everyone's case is so unique that we did have some stigmas attached to the way that we did things and it can also go to the other extreme there can be people who do not understand why you do not have negative feelings towards the family member um they cannot they may not understand why you are open to allowing your children to have a relationship with their biological parent in the future and they can also not understand why um, they can be misunderstood in the way that custody is given because in our case, our children are not adopted. They are legal custody, which is very similar to adoption. However, it is quite different and we'll explain that in the next episode, but it can be really hard for people to understand. And at the end of the day, you have to give people grace, but you also have to give yourself grace in understanding that you're not going to make everyone happy. And the only people who matter in this moment is your family and your child. And that means in making decisions on whether or not you're going to take more children or if you cannot do it and you decide that you just it's not possible for your family to even be the kinship guardian, all of that is okay. It is never a bad thing to admit that you need help or that you're unable to do something. And in our case, we didn't end up, we didn't 
end up saying no, obviously. We ended up saying yes to taking in more children. However, we did have to get help. We did need help when it came to certain things financially. We did need help when it came to certain aspects. And it's not a negative thing to ask for help. Many times the caseworkers will ask you if you need help. And you should always, if you need it, say yes. In the beginning of our journey, we did not say yes. We actually said no to a lot of the programs that were available to us in the beginning, especially with Aria. And that was because we didn't need it. And I also thought that it would look negative on us for us to accept help. And it was really hard for me to understand that I I should have asked for help in certain parts of it. But luckily, when it came to Kobe, we had been through it for almost a, for a little over a year or no, not quite a year, about a couple of, well, I don't know, at least six months, and it was, it all happened so fast, but I was able to understand more that I was able to ask for help, and that I was able to ask the caseworkers more questions, and ask for the community advocate, and see what was available to us, and that it wasn't negative for me to ask for that, because what they want is for the children to be safe happy, healthy, and have all that they need, and if they need to provide that to you while the case is open, then they will, and that is what they are there for. That is 100% their job is to ensure that the children are happy, healthy, and safe, and they will help you. So never, ever, ever feel like you cannot ask for help, and never, ever feel like you're alone, even though people may not understand what you're going through. You'll often find at least one person that is able to help you, and I'm here now. If you have help or if you need help and you need have questions or anything, I'm not a professional, but I have been through this and I am 100% available to lend support or give advice. And I just would love for you to email me at gmombwords at gmail.com and just kind of tell me your story. If you'd like to be featured on an episode, let me know. If not, all that can be anonymous. And I would love to be able to reach out to you and just offer good luck and good vibes and just kind of help you relate to someone because you're not alone. And one of my biggest goals in doing this podcast is to find other people who have gone through things that are similar to what we've gone through and maybe create a group of people who can help each other when it's really hard and lonely. And I just feel like though my podcast is for all parents and all moms and people who, you know, say bad words and people who don't and people who whatever, I just feel like it's so important for you to have a group of strong people who can help uplift you. And that's why I do this podcast. So our next episode, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into what the stigmas are for kinship and how you can handle being feeling that lonely and that anxiety and I will kind of give you guys a little secret look I guess into what my mental health was like during this process and all of the crazy stuff I've heard and just kind of show you that you're not alone and that I've gone through it and it's really hard and though all of our situations are unique it does not mean that we cannot relate on some level and that you do not have a friend that you can say, hey, I don't know what I'm doing, but I just need someone to hear me cry for a second. And I want to be that person for you. And I hope that my next episode is able to help you relate a little bit more. And this is just kind of a series that I thought 
we would do about three episodes on specifically the type of kinship care that we do and are in the middle of doing and will be doing for the next 18 to a million years. And I'm just really, really happy that you have made it to the end of my episode. If you did, I know this one is much longer than some of my other ones. And yeah. So, uh, as always, thank you for listening, and I hope you have a decent day today and every day. Keep rocking your mom life, dad life, grandparent life, and I hope you guys are doing well. Bye! Hello, you're listening to Good Mom, Bad Words. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram at Good Mom, Bad Words, or email us any funny stories or fun things that you have going on or just crazy parenting life or any questions you have to gmombwords at gmail.com.